next Saturday at 6. It's time for your weekly music and entertainment fix. Backstage with Sinead Nivorda. With all the best music, interviews, and live sessions. Live from the Radio Nova studios in the Dublin Docklands. Hello and welcome along to Backstage. I'm Shanae Vorda hanging out with you this evening. I hope you're all having a wonderful Christmas and getting to kick back and enjoy the sounds. On this week's show, I am looking back at some of my most favourite moments of Backstage this year. On this show, you're going to be hearing from Billy Idol, David Page of Toto, Eric Bell, previously guitarist with Thin Lizzy, and Ham Sandwich, who had popped in to me for a live session, and you'll be hearing their brilliant cover of a Prince song. So, let's get started, shall we? Backstage on Radio Nova. So, before we hear from Mr. Billy Idol, I think we'll get kick-started with a tune which you'll hear him talk about in a moment. It is this one, Rebel Yell, from Billy Idol on Radio Nova. Dancer came dancing to my door. Last night, 
I went to a party in like the early early 80s, probably 80, 83. I got to know Ronnie Wood and it was in his brownstone in New York. And um, it was a party for one of the Rolling Stones. I can't remember exactly whose birthday party. It was somebody's birthday party. And But uh, at one point there was Ronnie Wood, uh, Keith Richards and Mitch Agger standing in front of me all drinking out of this bottle of something. And uh, as, as they were sort of drinking, I followed the label with my eyes, followed the label up to there. <laughs> Up to their mouths, I could see, oh, it's called Rebel, Rebel Yelling. It had a, a, a Confederate officer, a cavalry officer, sort of looked like Jeb Stewart, kind of like a, a plume coming out of his hat, riding away, galloping away on a horse. Well, Rebel Yell, I was really interested in the American Civil War, and I said to Rebel Yell, well, yeah, you, did you have this stuff made up, you know? And they went, no, 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 it, it's a southern sour mash. It's from, you know, the south, deep south in, uh, in America. And I went, uh, really? Rebel Yell? Wow, uh, are you thinking of using that for a song title? And uh, they kind of looked at each other, and as they were looking at each other, I kind of said, well, you know, because, like, I mean, you've got, like, Street Fighting Man, and they don't know, the, you know, Jumping Jack Flash, and Give Me Shelter, and uh, would you, Rebel Yell, would you need, you know, and they kind of looked at each other and kind of went, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I went, ah, thank you. Cause, and then, you know, I thought mentally, I just thought, thank you, because I can use that. <laughs> Awful polite of you to ask them. Later, I wrote it more as a, a cry of love, not really about the uh, rebel cry and a rebel attack, more about the cry of love, a, a woman's cry of love, <laughs> orgasmic cry of love, <laughs> the power that women have. And uh, <laughs> I poured all of that into the song because I've got a lot of adverse reaction to from mm. the women's lib to white weddings in the video. We had the lady put on a, a uh, she has actually was the lady's idea to put on a, a barbed wire wedding ring and the women's lib went nuts about that. So I thought I'd write Rebel Yell as this, as this, you know, anthem to the power and beauty and you know, the sheer, you know, this is who helps to create us, you know. Yes, and, um, to the ladies, nice one. Of course, I never got a bad word after that from women's lib after Rebel Yell. I used to have people, you know... Uh, sort of protesting and stuff but that all stopped once <laughs> nice. I forgot about 
wasn't any anti-women things in any of the videos anymore, so they... You sorted that one out then. Up. And did they ever get to hear about the Boots and Scarves Club? Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. I know what it is. Do you want to explain to our listeners what the Boots and Scarves Club was, Billy? Well, yes. We <laughs> took quite a long time making the Charmed Life album, which was around 1989, 1990. In the end, we started to party a lot in the studio, and uh, we would take ecstasy of certain moment in the night we'd start we would take all that take ecstasy and we were sort of playing the music that we were creating um, on Charmed Life to like uh, well we would get a load of girls from the nearby strip bars and see how they, they enjoyed dancing to it or <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd all start having a kind of a, a knocked down dragged out party which would end up with us we, were, we rode motorcycles all the time so we would be in our motorcycle boots uh, you know, scarves, and uh, I would probably have my cross still on. That was about it. And, uh, you know, the studio would turn into this, uh, like a sex club, you know. <laughs> Man. After a certain time, and uh, that's why the album took quite a long time. <laughs> You're having too much fun, Rhina. Well, writing. <laughs> being the objective word. Being the kind of cry of, right, boots and scarves, it's drop time. You know, here we go. <laughs> we're going to get, we're going <laughs> to, we're going for it. Billy Idol talking about the Boots and Scarves Club uh, that was ahead of his live at the Marquee Show in Cork this June. Now we move on to another legendary musician here on Radio Nova. Toto have released 17 albums and sold over 40 million albums to date. The band performed an intimate show at Dublin's Vicar Street earlier this year. Keyboardist and vocalist David Page co-wrote and performed elite vocals on Africa and wrote the track Hold the Line, which you'll be hearing shortly. David Page spoke to me about winning at the Grammys in 1983 and here is the revered musician talking about the experience of working on Michael Jackson's record Thriller. That was very exciting and everybody, every, the room was filled with anticipation because we knew that Quincy Jones was a great producer and a great artist in his own right and it made these great jazz records and it made these solo records that were very kind of you know progressive and but very full ranged orchestral you know, and he was a master musician and a master composer. It was a real honor, and it was real electric and real fun because everybody's professional there. It's kind of like you get to see all your friends, but you're working with your friends there. Wow, what was your favorite track working on that album? But I think the most memorable track will be The, uh, the Girl Is Mine. When I got called from Quincy to be one of the arrangers on it, along with uh, Steve Lukather and other mates, and when Michael walked in, I mean, that's big enough right there. You have, yeah. you have Quincy Jones and Bruce Whitty and Michael. That's enough star power to just <laughs> where I'm kind of sitting there stunned, like I'm still a fan of theirs. But then when Paul and Linda walked in, and Paul's got like a security guy, is this ex-FBI guy. And you see Paul and Linda and Michael, and then George Martin and Jeffrey Emmerich walk in. It was just too much. I almost imploded. I almost exploded and <laughs> on fire right there in the room. I could only imagine. I'm still a fan, oh. and still when certain people are in the room, like a Beatle or a, a Michael Jackson, you still kind of in awe, and I just wanted to get my, my autograph book out and get an autograph and, and be a fan, but I realized I, I had to uh, a job to do, which is to play the piano and to work, so I had to pinch myself out of my uh, coma, my fog, and get to work. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it was really fun. It was a magical moment. I'll never forget it. So looking back at that night in February 1983, when you went to the stage five times to pick up five Grammys, yep. like what do you remember from that night? 
The one thing I remember is when we got the Grammy for the record of the year with Rosanna, I remember looking over and there only one person standing up and that was Elton John. <gasps> and he's my hero, as yeah. you know. And I couldn't believe it. So it, when you're trying to walk, it's like you're covered in glue. It's slow motion and everything sounds slow motion. And you're walking to the stage and you're looking and here's all the people that we work with and all the most Stevie Wonders up there and all the famous people and the it took a long. It was the longest walk I ever took to a stage, and uh, it was surrealistic. And uh, I'll never forget it. It was just. Uh, I'm glad it only happens once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be handling all that. Oh, imagine <laughs> Too happening much. all the time. I think I'd explode on fire. Like <laughs> Had a few of those moments, I believe, over the years. Yeah. Hi, I'm David Page from Toto, and I'm addicted to Radio Nova.
Hold the line from Toto on Nova. It's Sinead Nivorda hanging out with you here and I am bringing you backstage to some of my most favourite moments of my chats with some wonderful and talented artists who spoke to me throughout the year. Yet to come on this evening's show, you'll be hearing from Eric Bell, founding member and original guitarist with Thin Lizzy. You'll also be hearing Ham Sandwich with their impressive cover of a Prince song. Conor McCaffrey of The Star will be stopping by to recommend some gigs to check out on New Year's Eve. Next up... Uh, Connor Irwin of Radio Nova will be bringing you a roundup of some of the biggest music news stories of 2015, one of which involves a member of the Foo Fighters, who are up next on Nova.